Hi everyone and welcome to Investing by the Books, a podcast by Red Eye. I'm your host, Eddie Palmien, and uh, in the Zoom call here is my friend and colleague, Niklas Savos. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm good. We're approaching vacation time and I will go to Greece for, for a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that, to, to have some time to think and reflect of everything we have done for the last year. And uh, today we have the great pleasure of speaking to Magnus Angenfeldt. Magnus is a longtime friend of Investing by the Books and the author of The 99 Greatest Investors that we will talk about today. He let us publish uh, each chapter as a blog post earlier on investingbythebooks.com. So we actually have most of the book published there that you can check out. And uh, Magnus has a long history in the financial industry as a top-ranked sell-side analyst and an hedge, a hedge fund manager. He managed Manticore Capital, a TMT hedge fund, from March 2000 to December 2011. And we believe there are many lessons to be learned from Magnus's experiences. But Eddie, why have we chosen this title? Yeah, some of the reasons are what you mentioned. Magnus has a really long experience. And also we have several times in the podcast mentioned Isaac Newton's concept of standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think this book is truly a great example of learning from the best. And for less experienced investors, I mean the 99 investors, it's really a superb collection to start with. And there are many names that uh, people probably haven't heard about. And... uh, also for sophisticated investors, I think there should be at least one or two new persons and, and sources of inspiration here, which uh, easily makes the book worth its price. And how is uh, the structure of the book? Yeah, the pocket version that I have is from 2013. And uh, this book is a bit more than 300 pages. Uh, so it's about two to three pages about each investor. And first, there is some advice from the investor. And uh, that is something that Magnus has been in, in contact with the with the person to actually gain that those uh, words from. And then there's a brief background about their info, uh, career and investment style. And he also adds some fun facts like Jim Simmons, he's often showing up to formal business meetings without socks. I don't know how he found out all that information, but it's a bit uh, fun to have that as well. But how does it relate to uh, Red Eye's quality rating? I mean, since these are the greatest, the legends, much of their investment knowledge is incorporated and refined in our quality rating. For example, already in the first person of the book, the Japanese investor Shuhei Abe, we can see the connection. So Abe explains the three key things he looks for in a company, which are different aspects of people, business and financials, which are the three pillars of our rating system. We are curious and excited to have the author of The 99 Greatest Investors on the show. Here comes our conversation, Magnus Angefer. Hello, Magnus, and welcome to Investing by the Books podcast. Thank you very much. Where are you today? I'm sitting at home uh, Friday. Uh, it's a, a bumpy market, so, so I need to have uh, some, some kind of coverage in my, in my fund. And where is home for you? Home is uh, Lidinger. It's an uh, island outside Stockholm. Perfect. Can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, I started off as a business journalist in the mid-80s, and then I became a a stock market analyst at Alfred Berg. It's an investment bank in Stockholm. Uh, And uh, my boss, after a while, uh, left and started Brummer & Partners. That was the first hedge fund group in, in Scandinavia. And I joined a couple of years later, and um, at Brummer Partners, I started with a couple of 
colleagues uh, hedge fund called Manticore. And uh, I spent 11 years there and uh, left to write the book, uh, The 99 Best Investors in the World. Uh, and uh, well, uh, I got some abstinence after that. So uh, I have started a new hedge fund again. It's called Chelonia, and that's uh, the name for turtle in, in, in Greek. Wow, interesting. We'll get into your uh, current experiences and your past uh, a bit later. But first, how did your passion for investing start? Uh, in, in, the investors in the book, they claim they were very early uh, been interested in the stock market. I think Dan, Daniel Loeb mentioned that uh, he was... At the age of five, he started to look at stocks. And I have my doubt about that <laughs> young age. But uh, for me, it, it, it came a bit later. I was mainly interested by the corporations. So I, I started first in the mid-20s, and uh, then I was stuck. And as you said, you created a book about uh, the world's greatest investors. And... Uh, what is clear is, uh, I mean, how, how the, the different investors differ in methods to achieve uh, the greatness. And uh, we can begin with uh, why you decided to, to, to leave the fund and, and write the book. It's, it started with the, uh, curiosity because we, we did quite well at Manticore, which was the name of the hedge fund. Uh, I have uh, hardworking colleagues and... and uh, we were nominated as one of the best hedge funds in Europe several times. I was sitting in my tuxedo at the ceremony, but I, we didn't uh, got the trophy. And I just wonder uh, why, what have the other guys done? Uh, so I started to communicate with some of the uh, good performing uh, investors and, and uh, about strategies, etc. And and realized after a while that this must be very interesting to, to more than me to, 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 uh, uh, to read about. Uh, so then I thought that maybe if I could uh, spot the 100 best investors in the world and ask them to share the, the best advice to the next generation investors, that would be the ultimate investment book. So uh, that was the start. And, and then... I mean, it, it, that would also bring some some good to the to the world. In fact, because uh, most of the investors, private investors, making losses, uh, um, and and uh, that's the same all over the world. Unfortunately, uh, despite what they say to you at the party or or, or uh, uh, as a neighbor, they making losses. Uh, and uh, and one anecdotal uh, story is Peter Lynch. He was managed Magellan Fund in, uh, I think, it was 13 years and, and made some 29% yearly in performance. Amazing uh, track record. And when he quit, he, he, he tried to get a sense for what the average client had made in, in uh, profit from his uh, fund and realize uh, that uh, he, to his surprise that uh, the majority of clients was in red. They have sold at the 
bottom and both at the top several times. And uh, uh, if they could have some good advice of this book, maybe it could be some uh, better performance in the future. And that's also uh, bringing good to our welfare because as, as it works, uh, uh, I mean, it, it, if, if your neighbors rattles about uh, a good investment, you should uh, give him a warm hug. Uh, because on the margin, he has increased your welfare. Uh, that's how it works. And, and then it was also a, 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 another element uh, 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 why I, I, I wrote the book, because it's a, it's a, it's a lot of focus on, on entrepreneurs um, in the society and, 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 and the media and, and the Investors are, are mainly, not, not mainly, but, but not so seldom, uh, they are described as more or less snakes in suits. And uh, uh, they are more important than so, because without any uh, wise uh, investors uh, allocating the capital, uh, the, the entrepreneur wouldn't have any, any companies to, to, to run. And, and uh, I think we're taking uh, good investors as uh, granted. They are more important than so. And, and uh, I don't think they get the credit uh, for this work. Many good reasons for writing the book. But how was your thought process when you chose these 99 best investors? And why 99? Uh, well, the, the, the working name in the beginning was 100, but the publisher thought that 99 was more marketing uh, I thought you wanted to be the num- the, the last one no it's a, thank you but <laughs> I do not deserve that yet uh, well I, I try to uh, try to uh, avoid just luck so I, I I set the hurdle at 25 years in the saddle for being an investor and I try to also only get uh, documented uh, performance to rely on. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it was uh, in commodities or, or, or stocks or bonds or, or, or options or whatever. Uh, so so um, and, and I think the only way to, to, to rank all investors is the number of years and the number of uh, and the performance. So that's that was the uh, the setup. And Magnus, I just have a, a comment. We we spoke with uh, Richard Lawrence from Overlook, uh, who, who wrote the book uh, The Model, and he, I mean, you spoke about Peter Lynch and and that the average investor in the fund uh, that didn't go well for them. And uh, Richard Lawrence uh, speaks about this uh, concept of time weighted return and, and capital weighted return, and he actually focuses on. Uh, uh, what what the investors fi- ultimately get, and was that a part of the work that y- that you did when you evaluated these uh, managers? No, I only looked at the performance, and and it was relative to the benchmark. So so uh, all in all, um, the investors in the book they uh, have on average. Uh, 
25 years and uh, they did some 12 percentage points yearly above benchmark so it's amazing figure uh, yeah, definitely. 12 percentage points in 25 years but how did you measure the benchmark it, it's different for every investor i guess yeah it was different for every investors uh, if you manage a, a, a long fund in the us i took the s p 500 and and uh, it was a bond investor i i must check the the, the bond index etc and how many of these 99 investors did you talk to and have did you get access to them Rough, uh, a third uh, I met personal, uh, one third by phone and, and one third by uh, email, roughly. Very nice people, I must say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, you could uh, may, maybe have the picture that, that they are, are uh, uh, rude, etc. Very nice overall. Yeah, were there some investors that you didn't get hold of that you wanted to have in the book or something? Yeah, I have five. Uh, investors, uh, I was hunting them uh, in in several months, uh, but they would like to to live in the in the shadow, so I had to respect it, and and uh, I didn't have any any documentation of the performance. I, I had to drop them, unfortunately. Well, ninety nine out of hundred and five. That's that's really good, I must say. It took three years, so um, if you come up with a, a suggestion to to write the book, you give me a call, and I I will. Uh, <laughs> talk you down <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i mean you you were already before writing the book a, a seasoned investor yours, yourself and uh, yeah you, you said you had managed the, the fund for 11 years or so um can you describe a few of the investors in the book that has influenced you the most uh, as an investor well i have three guys uh, which i uh, have a little closer to my heart uh, it's uh, Ralph Wanger, is an American investor, focused on, on small caps mainly. Uh, Glenn Greenberg uh, is uh, mainly due to the fact that he's uh, fo- uh, very concentrated in his portfolio. And uh, John Neff, also an American uh, uh, an contrarian value investor managed a fund uh, Vanguard in US uh, 31 years uh, 22 years of those he, he, he beat the market uh, hard working uh, guy uh, so so and and those three they 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 uh, work very similar to my route and and that i think is the most important role for investors to stick to your rhythm. Uh, we have everyone we have different uh, profile i mean you maybe are our long-term investors and and some are traders and and some uh, like risks and and some not etc and 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 it's uh, the, the 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 easiest way to lose money is to uh, uh, go away from your personal profile uh, so these three guys, uh, they, they talk to me, yeah. Yeah, we, again with Richard Lawrence, he, he spoke about reading these type of books where, where you get inspiration, read about other investors. And he said, I, I always find one or two cousins in those books and in those magazines or so on. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I can agree. 
<laughs> and uh, as you mentioned, these successful investors, they have very different approaches and you may resonate with some of them. But from studying all of these, are there any common denominators? Well, here you're touching about the, the big takeaway in, in the book. Uh, because I thought when I started this work that I would find one uh, outperforming strategy. But uh, in fact, I, I got 99 different strategies. And they are so different. I mean, some of them are, are uh, buying at uh, just buying stocks uh, which recently have made the all time high, and some of them uh, buying stocks at the bottom. Some of them have 100 uh, stocks, and some just three fours. Uh, some have turnover of. of 200% in the portfolio and someone just 1% yearly, but, but made very good performance, all of them, despite so different strategies. And, and that's uh, uh, the big takeaway. It's, it's uh, not one way. It's so many ways you can uh, manage uh, uh, your money. And, and uh, despite this difference, uh, it, it's more similarities between them than you could think. And, and, and uh, I have in the book uh, uh, find uh, 12 uh, common uh, similarities between all, all, all these investors. And, and uh, I can, if, if we have time, take three of them, which is my favorites. Uh, uh, and and uh, one is that uh, everyone has carved out their... Uh, the strengths they have as a, as a investors. Um, it could be oil future, it could be retail stocks or whatever, but they stick to this little area um, instead of, of spreading around. Uh, that's the common sense for everyone in, in, in the book. So know your strengths and weakness. Uh, the, the other thing I will bring up to the table is uh, uh, the risk. Uh, I, I, I thought that doing all the, this fantastic performance, you must, uh, it must have been on behalf of uh, high risk, but it's the opposite. They're taking more smaller risk than the average investor. Uh, they're looking on the risk on the downside instead of the, the, the potential. So if a stock uh, could have 100% risk downside, but 1,000% upside, they're not there. Uh, but 5% down and 30% and upside, that's, that's fine. So, so the risk surprised me, uh, definitely. Uh, and the third I, I would mention is the flexibility. I thought that these guys, they, they are digging down, down to... Uh, uh, strategy and then they stay there whatever happens but that's not true uh, they are changing uh, and that's natural because the market is evolving all the time and they follow uh, this as well uh, so it, it's the same methodology but it's another criteria when, when picking uh, stocks uh, so it's, it's, it's like the Darwinism, uh, it's not the strongest, uh, it's more, 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 they're more adaptable who, uh, who win the games. I mean, you could take 
Warren Buffett, for example, uh, he started as a value investor and then became a, a quality investor, and now he's investing in, in Apple, for example. So, so uh, that was a, a big surprise. Yeah, that was something that I also thought about when I read the book, that many investors are talking about change. And there was one good quote by Ken Fisher saying that whatever you do today it won't work in 10 years. So you really have to evolve. And I think it also relates to independent thinking that, for example, John Rogers was highlighting in the book. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, uh, my view is that they still have a few like fundamental principles that they keep. So, I mean, they may change the style, but not the not the principle. Maybe you have do you have something to add? No, I mean it, it's it's correct. It's correct. Um, the hard part is to figure out how much to change and what to change. Yeah, and when. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when. <laughs> and a follow up question also, because now you mentioned risk as something that they were taking lower risk than uh, you kind of thought they would be. But is there something else that most or all of them avoid doing? Well, they never invest in something they don't understand. I asked them, uh, when I'm going through all the advice they gave, most frequent answer, never invest in what you don't know. And and also, uh, I would like to mention, uh, don't listen to um, advice from others. Uh, stick to your um, principle. To do the homework because if you not if you not have done the homework by yourself, uh, you do not have the stamina to stay in the position when when it's blowing around. And we might be in such a time right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> and in the book, you make an effort to actually rank the top five greatest investors of all time, and the list is quite a surprise, at least to me. So, can you tell our listeners a bit about this list? Yeah, it, it, it was a surprise because uh, around half of the investors in the book, they are value investors. And, and I think that if you, if you, if you have uh, uh, worked very long time in the market, it's, uh, you, you get tired if you're a trader. So, so value investors with lower turnover in the stocks, etc., in the portfolio, they... Um, uh, they survive longer time, uh, but top five, three of the guys are uh, traders, uh, and 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 uh, that surprised me a bit. Uh, they never talked to company. It, it was in in stocks mainly. Uh, never talked to to uh, analysts or, or or companies just sitting and 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 making trades. Uh, so that was a bit surprised. We also have a Swede in in the top five. Lasko uh, Sombatfalvi, he made uh, 30% yearly in 46, 46 years. Amazing track record. And it was not a home bias there? No. Because no. <laughs> it was quite different between the market climate they were operating in and the competition they were facing and also which starting capital they had. So it must have been hard to, to rank them, I guess. Yeah, but I... I the, the ranking is pure number of years and uh, performance. Uh, so, uh, as you said, maybe it was easier in the past compared with, with the present situation. It could be. But you also, uh, at, at present, uh, you, you have, uh, I mean, half of the market in the US, uh, that's index. Uh, and uh, 
it's it's like you and and, and me playing uh, football with the uh, the the other uh, team has uh, no no eyes. I mean, it, it's easier to to make uh, profit in that environment. You didn't have that kind of of uh, competition uh, in in the 30s, 50s, or 60s. So so you 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 could argue for it's maybe easier now than than um, than before also. Maybe we can hone into that subject a bit uh, a bit more because I think that's that's a common uh, phrase we we hear these days that because of the rise of the index funds then uh, yeah it creates opportunities. So why can you just explain why does it create opportunities for stock pickers? Well, the the, the number of active investors getting uh, fewer and fewer. Uh, so so and and uh, as we said before uh, the index funds uh, now account for roughly 50 percent uh, of the market and and in i saw some figures the other day that in terms of turnover uh, in the market uh, they account for roughly 90 percent so that's our our competition uh, as as a uh, active uh, uh, portfolio manager so I I, sh- I should really uh, make better performance now than than in the past when we didn't have these uh, index uh, managers around. Um, so, and if you if you uh, look at the statistics, uh, it has all the last uh, decades. It has been a difference between the active portfolio managers funds and uh, the index, but this gap has closed. And I guess that in, in a couple of years, we will have the opposite, that the active portfolio managers outperforming the index. Um, that's, that's my uh, future guess. Yeah, so as a private investor managing quite a tiny portfolio still, um, it's, quite, it's quite interesting to see these events when, when a company is uh, moving up the, the, uh, to another list to a larger list and, and then the index fund starts to buy. And I think it's just quite surprising sometimes that you know the date before and then like the days before, uh, the company could trade up like 20% just because the index fund. I don't know how much is uh, people like uh, going in front of the index funds and actually, I mean, push it up that way or if it's the index funds themselves. But it's just uh, something that I've seen from time and time yeah, again. Yeah, it's insane. It's quite interesting. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. But uh, I mean, it, it's it's helpful if you could ride this uh, psychology. Uh, uh, you could earn a lot of money. Yeah, as, lo- as long as you're not leveraged and you can use those short-term opportunities that arise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then definitely, as long as the right value comes out in the end. I mean, if if the if there is only index funds, almost only index funds then there is a risk that they will just take over the market. And even if you know that what you own, I mean, has very, very low multiples and so on. Yeah. At one, at some point, you have to get paid for that. But Yeah, if, if you have time on your side, I would love to be in that market, to be the only active portfolio manager in the world with all <laughs> the index uh, funds. Yes. So now we are curious to hear how you are working as an investor and with the, with the fund you have now. Uh, well, I, I'm uh, in the value investment corner, uh, definitely. Uh, I uh, 
prefer small and mid-cap stocks, not covered by uh, uh, analysts and the, and the big uh, investment banks. You still have, uh, uh, you, you, you could have an advantage in, in uh, knowledge, cover them. Due to the fact that they are a little smaller, they don't fit into uh, the size for, for the, the big funds, so they are a little under the radar. And, 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 and uh, when they growing, they sooner or later coming up. So you have a multiple expansion as well. Uh, so I, I, I mean, in, in, in that area, uh, uh, the, the hedge fund I'm running, it's uh, a neutral hedge fund. Uh, so on the long side, it's, it's mainly uh, those uh, stocks I, I mentioned. Is it in the Nordics or in which regions are Mainly in the Nordics. Uh, we have 50% in the Nordic uh, and then the rest in, in uh, Europe and US. And mainly due to the fact that I cannot get the, the exposure I would like. Uh, so then I have to go outside Nordic. Uh, but I would like to have a, a strong balance sheet. They, they must uh, have a, a structural growth. Um, uh, I also like to have a structural market. And with that, I mean that they could have some, uh, a few competitors only, but uh, preferably uh, many, many clients. Uh, that's the perfect setup. Uh, I would like to have a strong, uh, a good owner. Uh, it could be a, a bad CIO uh, because he could be replaced uh, if the owner is good, uh, but the owner cannot be replaced. So, so that's he's more crucial. Um, and I don't want to have some issues with with the. Uh, with the uh, technical disruption, etc., uh, that's uh, that's my, my 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 long side, and and the short side, it's uh, it's sectors where you have uh, um, problem with with um, uh, technical uh, coming disruptions. Um, so it could be cars, it could be. Uh, um, the financial sector, it could be uh, hotels, etc. Um, so that's roughly the, the, the setup. And when did you start the fund? Uh, four years ago. Can you say anything about the performance so far? Uh, it was a little bumpy road in the beginning. Um, last year it was 10% up and, and um, this year we are around zero. Uh, we should give some six to seven percent yearly. Uh, when the market is up 30, 40 percent, no one uh, interested in our fund. But uh, hopefully now they, they uh, some some will knock on the door. You you run a, a real hedge fund, so to speak. I mean, sometimes a, a hedge fund, the name of a hedge fund is used also for those only long only funds. But how has it been managing uh, a hedge fund? Uh, as of late, I, I, I heard that uh, some of them have been struggling for the last decade or so. But maybe you can give some color on that. Oh, I mean, if if we if we take the average hedge fund, they are long some seventy percent, uh, and um, that means they are not performing as good as the market when the market goes up. 
but they are negative when the market goes down as well uh, and have a quite high fees. So you, you could question uh, the, the, the reason for having uh, investments in an hedge fund. Uh, uh, I, I, but I, I have sympathy for hedge funds which use uh, the whole possibility. Uh, I mean, if you leverage some uh, four or five hundred percent and, and go all in um, uh, and have a, a very volatile market, that, that's fine. Uh, and I think neutral hedge funds also uh, has, has a reason to exist. But the, the middle hedge fund, the average hedge fund, uh, I, it's, it's, a, it's a question, definitely. And I must ask you about the experience you had uh, managing the, uh, from what I read, it was a TMT hedge fund yeah. from the early 2000s. Yeah. How, how was that like? Uh, it, it was a bumper road. Uh, the, the problem with, uh, in, 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 in this uh, environment was that, I mean, this uh, stock market, uh, we could look at the tech burst uh, 20 years ago uh, and understand roughly what's what's going to happen. Uh, at that time, we, we was a little uh, unsure uh, how, how this will play out. Uh, so it, it took a while uh, until uh, everything was settled. Uh, so, uh, and, and the, the big difference, I think, now compared with, with the, the the, the millennium uh, burst is that the the quality of the startup companies I've digged into this seems to be a little better than uh, it was at the tech burst because most of the companies at that time they rely on broadband uh, would would be built out in the short term but it didn't came until ten years later so that was a uh, a bad um, um, analyst work for, for, for most of the investors at that time. Um, so um, it, it better quality now than before. Otherwise, it's very big similarities between these two uh, uh, um, stock market periods. I guess the problem with, I mean, you launched it, I think, in March 2000. And, and so you missed this whole bull run. Yeah. And you, you came in when it's more or less when the bubble burst, yeah. right? That, that's, that's correct. So, so we, we were running um, in a negative territory for force. But that was, uh, that was fine. I mean, we, it was quite neutral hedge fund as well. So we, we, we managed it okay. Uh, it could have been better, of course, but uh, but we were uh, we are, were still alive after these uh, three years, uh, and I've learned a lot, definitely. I have a follow-up question there. Something that I read in the book, uh, a quote from James O'Shaughnessy, because he's talking about four ingredients that investors are facing: it's fear, greed, hope, and ignorance, and that he says that ignorance is the only one that is not being an emotion, and that the only way to succeed as an investor is to learn how to handle your emotional reactions. So how have you been dealing with that aspect of investing? Well, uh, I have also read this uh, book from Daniel Kahneman, uh, Think Slow and, and Fast, 
uh, and there he uh, elaborate about investors how they should react uh, and how they should uh, manage the, the the money and and uh, um, as the, the same conclusion as you mentioned i mean uh, you must have a, a principle and and method uh, otherwise you you are smoked in the market uh, the only but but also uh, after working many many years your experience uh, somewhere uh, in, in you have this experience in your body so sometimes you could feel that I should maybe sell this, or I should maybe buy this, and 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 sometimes I rely on on this um, feeling, and and uh, well, sometimes it's it's uh, uh, definitely uh, the right signal. Yeah, we uh, we have discussed that yeah. uh, the part of intuition, and it's uh, and fa- of course pattern recognition as well when you have been in the market for such a long time. And the, and the, and the interesting is that. Uh, most of the investors in the book, uh, they are getting better uh, by age. I think 25% of the investors, they were still up and, and running uh, at 20, uh, 75 years old. That's amazing. So it's, it's a marathon. You're getting better uh, when you get older. It's a fantastic uh, work. Um, it's better to, to manage money than to play Sudoku or, or uh, cr- uh, making crosswords. <laughs> I thought a lot about that, and maybe it's because I mean, if you're really passionate about something, then you don't want it to end. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just want to ask also. I mean, from coming from Red Eye, we are we have. I'm I'm an equity analyst myself, and and you were a top ranked uh, sell side analyst before taking over the the hedge fund. And I want to ask you, what defines a good uh, sell side uh, analyst? To, to be an analyst at, is a, a totally different uh, ball game than being an investor. Uh, you must uh, uh, have knowledge about the figures, uh, the product, the market, the competitors, uh, the, the management, etc. Um, that's basic for everyone. And, and, but then the big difference is the storytelling and the and, uh, making business in your covered names because that's the uh, way you are get awarded from the company and that's totally different from from being a, a investor as an investor you have to have the right positions other yours otherwise you are smoked uh, so so uh, analysts they are storytelling uh, it's a marketing position uh, that that's a very important um, side of the work. And and uh, thinking about that, how do you use? Because uh, I mean, you said something there that I mean, sell side analysts uh, as myself. I mean, a lot of it is actually describing how the company makes money, what the like competitive situation is, and and so on. So, would you say that I mean, reading about those kind of things are more important uh, from an investor's perspective than actually looking at the the uh, like the base case uh, value or something like that. I mean, how would you use sell side analysts for your, yourself? I use them very little. I, I'm doing my own uh, own work. In fact, uh, then I, uh, I I'm I'm reading what they, uh, the 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 reports etc. And sometimes I realize that uh, well, 
if they continue to tell this story, I, I guess that uh, other investors will 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 join, etc. And uh, I have to shut down my short position or something like that. Uh, so so uh, that's that's a part of the of, of the game. But but I, I do in my own uh, own work uh, nowadays. Um, and then we have to talk a little bit about books. In the intro, you write that 30 of these 99 investors have written their own books and uh, maybe a few more books have come out since the book was published. But uh, can you mention a few of these uh, books that are your favorites? Well, well I, I, I've read uh, most of the books and, and uh, they are good, most, uh, many of them. What's popping up in my mind is... Um, Peter Lynch, One Up on Wall Street. It's a very easy reading book, but full of wisdoms. Um, I love it. Um, and, and, and another book I also uh, recommend is uh, John Neff. I mentioned him before. Um, he, he has written a book called uh, uh, On Investments. I mean, it's it's a lot of good advice uh, and, and hardworking uh, uh, so I I, I, I I like that book. And are you going to write another book or are you just going to do the hedge fund until you're 150 or something? To, to write a book is very time consuming uh, and, and um, uh, the economic benefits, it's not imperative with, with the effort. Uh, that, that's the way it, it, it is. Uh, but if I... I, I would like to uh, write a book uh, uh, and challenge the, the hypothesis of the uh, market efficiency uh, because that's uh, still that's uh, a strange uh, theory it's still around and, and saying that uh, Warren Buffett uh, has, uh, has in 60 years, he outperformed the market by 10 percentage points every year. It cannot be pure luck. That's uh, uh, that's weird. Uh, so if I go to write another book, that's in in, in that uh, uh, theme, definitely. Last question I, I would like to ask is uh, how how do you split your time between reading, writing? Uh, and actually doing homework on on investments and what do you recommend there because i mean we have discussed this a lot me and eddie and we have an episode where we where we discuss that and um, i think some people are in the corner where they almost only read books and don't read any 10ks and some do 100 percent 10ks more or less and no no reading about books and and actually trying to improve your philosophy and so on do you have any advice there from, from your long career and, and how that has evolved, the split between reading books and reading 10Ks or industry reports or so on? Oh, I, I think, once again, it's individual, individual uh, preferences. Uh, I try to split it between uh, uh, all those three areas. Um, I... I um, I like I, I, I investing a lot in in in, um, in retail, so uh, I prefer to spend at least one day a week uh, going around in the stores and and checking uh, 
Google Trends and, and uh, what's happening there. Um, so, um, and, and for other investors, uh, they get more from uh, uh, 10K, etc. So, it, it, uh, I, I'm difficult to, to give any recommendation here. I guess it's the same as, as everything. I mean, it's, it's all subjective, but sometimes it feels like you can just put a number on something and that's, that's how it is. I, I feel that sometimes with reading like financial media where some, uh, yeah, some, someone writes that, yeah, now you should go in and buy. Now you should go in and sell. And everything is on different time horizon. You can have a time horizon that is investing for, for 10 years and someone else may invest for the same day and, and so on. And it just feels like everybody tries to put everyone in the same bucket, but we're all different and we have all different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, Magnus, thank you so much for a really insightful conversation about you and the 99 greatest investors. Uh, do you have something more you want to add before we finish up? Maybe. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, regarding the book. This year it will be published in South Korea and in China and without any uh, changes in the book. I I'm just uh, wrote a, a, a new preface. Otherwise, uh, it seems like the conclusions and advice uh, are timeless. So they are happy with the, the nine-year-old book. So I, I'm a little bit happy for that. Oh, really interesting. Yeah. I think we have some South Korean and South Korean listeners to the to the podcast. It will okay. be interesting if we get some some feedback there. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Where can our audience follow you and find the book? If I understand correct from the publisher, uh, the the stock is. Uh, very small at present so so you you must uh, hurry up if you would like to have a copy of it um but it's it's uh, i think on amazon it's uh, you could buy it still as an ebook for example and for those who are interested in following your your fund and, and so on is there any can can they invest and can, is there a, some material out there yeah definitely they are more than welcome we are uh, you could invest uh, through NodeNet, uh, for example. Uh, so, so we are open, and uh, the the minimal uh, is ten thousand kroner, so it's uh, peanuts. Uh, they're more than welcome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Investing by the Books, a podcast by Redeye. Follow us on Twitter at ib underscore and email us at ib.podcast at redeye.se. To improve, we'd love to hear your feedback, so please rate and review us. Notice that the content in this podcast is not and shall not be construed as investment advice. This information is meant to be informative and for general purposes only. For full disclaimer, visit redeye.se. I'm your host, Eddie Palmian, and until next time, I sincerely wish you the best of luck on your journey through life and investing.